Thank you, uh, Pastor Mark and Suzanne, and thank you, Portview Church. We just love you guys, and we're so grateful for your faithful support for us, for the work. Uh, you're making a tremendous, tremendous difference in Spain. It is really, really good to be back here today. I think we were here almost four years ago, maybe three and a half years ago or so. And uh, what, what a delight to be back. Thank you for the warm reception. We got to greet a bunch of you in the foyer already. We'd love to say hi to each of you uh, before you leave today. In fact, we have a, a little display out underneath the map uh, right in your, your gathering room outside the doors here. And on that display, we have some prayer cards. And we would just love for you to take one. We're blown away by how many people come to us and say, Mark, Heather, we pray for you every day, or we gather our kids and we pray for you every night, or every time, you know, I open my Bible two or three times a week, I might pray for you. And just to think that people are praying for us and praying for Spain, more importantly, it's just truly an amazing, amazing blessing. And so we want to say thank you for that. Really for us, the theme of our first term personally, and we'll talk also corporately about just the ministry that God gave us, but personally, uh, our first term in Spain was a lot about transition. There was a lot of change in our life. Yeah, and as you'll look through the pictures, you'll also notice that my hair goes through transitions. They're all me, <laughs> but I might look a little different in each picture. Um, and so you can go ahead to the next slide. When we came the first time, um, we were a family of four. Uh, the girls stayed here. They were in school. Um, and now we are a family of five. We gained a, we, we gained a son. I don't know if I like him yet. In November. <laughs> uh, he's pretty good. He's a good kid. Don't say that. We <laughs> Joey, do like I love him. you. He's great. We do oh, like him. Is. We said yes, he could marry her. <laughs> um, and so our youngest actually got married in November. Our oldest is in Kansas City um, in med school now. And um, yeah, so that's that's who we are right now. Um, you know, people have asked uh, asked me, like, how can you give up all of this to go and spread the gospel? And thankfully, we've been being in the Milwaukee area again. We've been able to visit Oak Creek quite a bit. Um, through like on Wednesday nights and stuff when we're in town, and um, we were we were on staff there for almost twenty years. <laughs> we were there forever, and um, I we were youth pastors first there, and I love my youth kids almost as much as I love my own kids, yeah. um, probably as much actually, yeah. and um, it's such an amazing thing to come back and see them still leading worship and doing the things that we help train them to do and the investment. Um, that we put in their lives. And actually, I can't tell the story, but a prayer request that was 19 years in the making happened this June, um, came true this yeah, June. And it was such an amazing thing that God let me be back here to see that. Yeah. But um, so leaving my kids, I know like people's like, it costs you so much. And I don't think of it as a cost, right? A cost is, you know, going to McDonald's and having, you know, whatever. And, or like going to Starbucks and having coffee. Like that's a one-time thing, right? You're paying for it. But in an investment, you put in and you see a return. And so when I see the kids at Oak Creek, sorry, <laughs> that was unexpected. When I see the kids at Oak Creek or even my own children serving the Lord after so many years, and God coming through in their lives continually. I see the investment. And so it's worth the investment to leave my own kids and to leave our friends and family here to go make an investment in Spain, knowing that God's going to come through in, in their lives as well. Um, you can change the slide. Um, the next slide, you'll see some of the things that we, that we did while we were in um, 
in Spain, and I'm sorry, it's your turn. No, to talk. that's fine. <laughs> yeah, and so this is where your Kingdom Builders investments have have gone towards. We served on staff at the International Church of Barcelona. You can go back there, look it up. If you want to find out, hey, does Mark preach okay in Spain? Uh, we've got messages there on demand. They'll put you to sleep at night. No, they won't. They're, they're great messages that, that the Lord gave gave me. But we we served in a whole bunch of capacities on the executive team there, mentoring and pouring our our, our own lives into younger missionaries leading teams. My wife uh, was a great leader in the children's ministry there, helping to really shape that out uh, and what they were doing. We just saw God do tremendous, tremendous things over the years that we were there. Uh, I tell you, life change is happening in the one time, once called desert of Spain, uh, because God is at work there. And he's always been at work, but it's a season of harvest. And it is tremendous, tremendous, tremendous. Uh, Not only did we serve our church, uh, another way that we served the community was by having a home group uh, for young marrieds that met in our apartment. You can go to the next slide. And we have pictures of that here. We even have a picture uh, of our group that met during COVID time over Zoom, like so many of you, I'm sure, are used to now, or at least trying to still get used to. Uh, And it was wonderful. One of our favorite, favorite things that happened was uh, they're in this picture, actually, two, two Spanish people, Griselda and Ernesto, uh, is watching them uh, come to faith in Christ, give their lives to Jesus, and, uh, and, and choose to serve him. Just a powerful, powerful story in their own lives. Um, we also want to let you know that you've made investments also through your giving to Speed the Light. I don't know if that's something that the teens do here, but we want to show you our car. And because, in the next slide, you can go there. Because of this, we were able to do things like a a San Jordi outreach. If you have kids in kids' church, ask them what they saw this morning because my wife did a wonderful job presenting what this is about, San Jordi, our, our, our outreach where we connected with thousands of people in Barcelona on a particular event, even met the mayor, and it was wonderful Uh, to see God working in that. And then also we were able to start a campus because we had a couple of Speed the Light vehicles and they transported equipment and personnel to keep a church open in a city that, quite frankly, was about ready to lose a church. And they said, hey, will will you work with us? And it turned out to become our very first campus of the International Church of Barcelona. And so your investments paid off. One of our favorite things we did is also a youth English camp. And it was so very powerful teaching kids English, teenagers, um, and uh, introducing them to Jesus as we were doing that. It was a wonderful, wonderful week. Uh, then lastly, the, the one thing we want to point out as well, there's one more slide there, I believe, um, for uh, something called Light for the Lost. And again, I'm sure you guys give towards this, towards Kingdom Builders. But my wife wrote a book. How awesome is that? And she's got it here. When We talked about this with the kids. But because of your giving to Kingdom Builders, we were able to uh, print... Uh, 2,500, actually, I think it's 3,000 total of these books that we're going to use for the next outreach, San Jordi Outreach, and it's an incredible evangelism tool uh, that God has already been using there in Barcelona. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so there's there's a holiday called San Jordi, and actually it was in the pictures with our car, but um, it is the busiest holiday in all of Barcelona. It, it, there's a two-mile road called Las Ramblas, and they are out on... I mean, it's like packed. Just, I mean, I had to go through on our first day, like up two miles walking through this crowd. And I was like, does this, does the crowd ever stop? No, Um, they're all out there and they're celebrating this holiday. And um, there's a story 
it's in the book about a dragon who's like terrorizing a town and they like have to sacrifice the princess and San Jordi comes and rescues her and the town. And so they're celebrating this. They really seems like they believe that it happened, yeah. right? Like it's, I mean, I would say it's a legend, but like they believe that it happened. And we were handing out bookmarks as a church. And I said to our pastor, like, these are really cool bookmarks, but they don't really have anything of the gospel on it. Wouldn't it be cool if someone wrote a book? And he was like, it would be. You should do that. And I was like, <laughs> I don't write books. Um, I do now. No, you do. Um, and yeah. so through the next year, I, I just prayed about it and got a script together. I call it a script rather than a text. I don't know why. But I got a script together, shared it with some people. We worked back and forth, about 10 of us, to get it to where it needs to be, to be understandable to people who've never heard the gospel. And then we had it translated into Spanish and Catalan, which is the language of Barcelona. And then had it printed. And um, because of COVID, we obviously did not celebrate um, San Jordi this year in Barcelona. But that pushed me to do a video in, in each language. And so I share, we shared the video with the kids today. If you want to look it up, you can look up San Jordi, S-A-N-J-O-R-D-I, and my name, Heather McKinstry, on YouTube, and you can find it. Um, but the illustrations in this book are done by me as well as our daughter and then the girl that helped me put the whole project together, who's actually from Oklahoma but was in um, Barcelona for the time. And so God just really put a bunch of people together to put this project together, and Mark likes to call it a legacy piece because there's really nothing like it. There's not anything that connects the gospel nothing to... Nothing like it in Catalan. Yeah, yeah. That, in Catalan. That connects the gospel to their own traditional story yeah. that would help them better Super understand powerful. the gospel. Yeah, so my wife is amazing. Can you give her a hand? She's just a phenomenal missionary and really grateful for how God uses her, her, her fearlessness. You know, God is doing something. God is doing something. He's doing something around the world. He's, he's working in people's lives. And uh, we, we call what, what Jesus gave the disciples before he ascended to heaven. We call it the great commission. And it, and, and it is an invitation, but it truly is, is a commission. And it's in the form of a command. So it's a, it's a strong invitation for his church. And, and here's what he's inviting us to do. He's inviting us to be a part of what he's already doing. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said it simply like this, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. Now this is a, a command, a call to bold action. It's not for the faint of heart. It's a call to step into difficult situations so that his light would shine before those who have yet to respond. We're, we're literally helping people simply connect the dots between what is happening inside, what God is speaking to them on the inside, and, and, and what God is maybe doing in, in our lives to say, hey, that, that really is the work of the Spirit that's, that's God. That's the work of the Holy Spirit drawing you to him. This, this is our commission. Today, just for the next few minutes, I want to look at a story from the book of Mark where Christ draws the attention of his disciples to a neglected people, to a people that were far from his presence yet close to his heart. This would be a, a, a people that would be, it would be difficult for the disciples to 
to get them to go to them. It would be difficult for the disciples to speak to them, just to even be around them. It was a challenge for them to go. But Jesus, nonetheless, invited them into a journey where he wanted to work. Uh, the title of the message I want to share this morning is simply this, Reaching Distant Shores. Distant shores, uh, not just talking geography, but, but people who seem so far from the presence of God. Can I tell you they're close to his heart? Reaching distant shores. And here's kind of what we're going to discover. This idea that mission actually, it starts with, with me, with you and me. This mission that God has asked us to be a part of, it starts with you and it starts with me. It's a personal call. It's a personal invitation. And it starts with us. And here's where we're going. This idea that, that, that's simply this. God must do something new in us so that he can do something new through us. So if you would, would you bow your heads with me? And I want to pray and, and ask the Lord's blessing upon our message here today. Father, we thank you for your presence here today. Thank you that you've invited us into this place, into not just this place, but a life with you, into your presence. And here we are this morning gathered in a special moment, a sacred moment, a holy moment, a moment set aside for you to speak to our hearts. Lord, we come with surrendered minds, with surrendered lives, and we ask God, would you speak to us afresh and anew? Maybe we're here in this place and we've heard many mission messages. I have, but God, I pray that this would be a, a fresh word something that would penetrate our hearts, something that would ignite a new experience, a new moment of transformation that you would take us and push us, propel us, Lord, into a greater faith and stepping into the mission that you've invited us into. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, have you ever been on a long road trip with an unreliable car? Have you ever tried to do something like that? I remember I was back in the mid-90s. I was in my mid-20s, actually early 20s, just married to my wife. And my dad turns to me. I was standing in the kitchen of my parents' home. My dad turns to me and says, hey, Mark, let's go up to the hunting camp. Let's, let's get ready for the hunt uh, this coming fall. And, of course, I'm a young man. I, I, that's me. I love to hunt. That's my hobby. And I'm like, Dad, I'm all in. I love to go to the country. I love to be outside. Let's go do it. And my mom was in the kitchen with us, and she heard my dad ask this question of me. And she asked him a question immediately. She said, Carl what car are you going to take? Now, this was a couple hundred mile journey. And, and, you know, it was a subtle request to make sure he took the right car, but my dad didn't quite hear it. He said, we're going to take the old station wagon. And she said, yeah, I don't think you want to take that car. In fact, if you do take that car and break down, I'm not going to come and get you. <laughs> I mean, when he said old station wagon, we're talking like a 20-year-old car at the time, a car that wherever you parked it, you knew it had been there because it would leave a puddle, you know? I mean, this was a car that was in bad shape. And so we got in that car, we took off up north, and we did our job up there and worked, and it was a fantastic time. We were on our way back. We were only maybe 60, 70 miles from home. Uh, driving at night down the interstate, and I'm, I'm in the passenger seat. My dad's driving, and I noticed something funny. I noticed this, this brown liquid shooting up on the windshield, and I'm like, Dad, I don't know a lot about cars, but I don't think that's supposed to happen. Uh, so my dad punched, you know, put the accelerator down. We glided up the off-ramp right into the perfect spot at a gas station where there was a telephone call where he made a call to guess who it was. My mom, poor mom. And my wife actually came and rescued us too. 
Old car, long road trip. You know, in life, uh, God wants to work in the people that follow him in, uh, on a daily basis, right? That he's, he's working in us, transforming us, carrying us along, working in our lives, not just for our own good, but for the benefit of the world around us. And here's what I think can tend to happen because it happens in my life where I tend to just simply live today on the way that God worked in my life yesterday and, 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 and I forgo the transformation or the renovation he's continually inviting me into. And we can tend to step into mission and into work with, with maybe the same vision we had last year or the same vision we had last month or maybe the same vision we have, had yesterday. Maybe. And Christ is saying, I want to do something new in you today, Mark. I want to do something maybe in you, new in you today, Portview Church, something in you so that I might do something new through you and touch this world in ways it's never, never seen before. So we come to a, a story in Mark chapter 4. Uh, it's a story that you know, verses 35 through 41. It's a story of Jesus calming a storm, and it's actually a story of invitation. And uh, the scripture's on your screen. I want to read this here today. But as, as Jesus was introducing them to uh, uh, an, an invitation to come and reach out and into a place he's not been before, he was not only going to a new place, he was also transforming the lives of the disciples in the going. And so we come to the story, Mark 4, 35. Here's what it says. That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. This was a challenging request. Leaving the crowd behind, the disciples took Jesus along just as he was. This is important. We'll get back to that in a minute. And there were also other boats with them. A furious squall came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And then Jesus gets up and he rebukes the wind and he says to the waves, Quiet, be still. And the wind dies and it was completely calm. And he said to the disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And we'll talk about that too. They were terrified and asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? And in verse 1, it says that they arrived at the shore of the Gerasenes, where they were going. So the question I have for you is simply this. What do we need to reach distant shores? If, if, if we're called on a uh, a, a grand mission, a great commission to go to places we've never gone before, to engage in the difficult, to deal with, uh, maybe step out into uncomfortable things and make difficult sacrifices. What do we need in order to have the fuel to reach those distant shores? I've got three simple ideas for you here today that I believe are found in this text. And I believe it's something that God wants to challenge each of us with. And the first is simply this. We need new eyes. If we're going to reach distant shores, we need new eyes. In Mark 8, verse 18, Jesus asked the question of his disciples. He said, do you have eyes but fail to see? These were the people that were following him. Do you have eyes but fail to see? You see, their sight was a lot like ours. It was often fixed on the exterior, but Jesus was challenging them to see what he saw, to see with new 
eyes. And this request to go to the other side of the lake was a ludicrous request. It was something they would have never considered, but Jesus was inviting them to see people differently. You see, they they were seeing, the disciples were seeing the way they were taught. Oh, they, they they had prejudice. They, they had anger. They had, you probably could even say they were, they were racist towards the people on the other side of the lake. After all, they were, they were Gentiles. We can't go there. God doesn't work in lives like that. In fact, we don't even think he can. They don't respond to God. Why would Jesus care about going there? But Jesus points them in that direction. And he said, let's go to the other side. He was challenging them to see differently. I remember the first time that I set foot into Spain and I was blown away by what I saw. It was in 1991. I was attending North Central University. It was between my sophomore and junior year. And my home church in Michigan said, hey, Mark, we're going on a young adult trip to southern Spain. Uh, We're going to work with some particular groups of people. Do you want to come? And I'm thinking summertime, college friends, southern Spain. Yes, yes, yes. Don't even need to pray about it. I'm going. And uh, I had a phenomenal time. It was just amazing, amazing, amazing. And the ministry just blew the doors off of, off of my eyes. There was one part that, that was something that I expected. In the day we were passing out uh, Bibles uh, to Muslims that were coming and going across the Straits of Gibraltar. Uh, they were traveling between North Africa and Europe. And we passed out thousands and it was Bibles and prayed with dozens, if not maybe over a hundred people. And it was amazing that week. And then at night we did something that I wasn't quite sure about. In fact, I was pretty skeptical about going into it. At night we would head out to the entertainment districts there in the South and we would connect with people who were walking in between restaurants and bars and discos. And we would be out on the streets until two and three and four in the morning, engaging with people, talking with people, even leading people to Jesus. It was amazing. You see, as I went there, I I thought maybe like you, that Europeans, you know, they dress well, they drive nice cars, they live comfortable lives. Why do they need the good news? Don't they have a historical Jesus that's already been shown to them? Why do they need this message that we carry? Why are we spending time doing this? And I was blown away by the emptiness that we saw reflected in words that they said in the way that they, they just shared with us. You see, here's what, what we discovered is that though their, their pockets were filled with money and wealth and material things, their heart, their soul, they were so empty. They were so broken. They were looking for help with dealing with broken relationships, not understanding how somebody could be married to somebody for 25, 26, 27 years. After all, that just doesn't work. You'd have to forgive people, and we can't forgive people. We don't know how to do that. It just doesn't make sense broken and hurting, instead of having a Christ to look forward to or to look to for hope and and peace, they would turn to things like alcohol and drugs and relationships. And darkness became desperate wickedness in a place where the gospel was not. And the grip on those lives tore at my heart and at my soul. And I saw something I never expected to see, but I saw that Jesus could do something about it. And I saw that Jesus was already there. Friends, here's what I know. To reach distant shores, we need new eyes. We need new eyes.
Number two, to reach distant shores, we need a new heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. We, we need a new heart. If we're going to go to places, if we're going to respond to Christ to do hard things, we need a new heart. One of the prayers that I prayed leading into our first term was, God, you got to give me a love for Spanish people because I love my kids a whole lot more. I, I love my old life a whole lot more. You, you've got to do something in me. You've got to give me a heart for this. Otherwise, I'm not going to have what it takes to sustain myself for the long haul. God answered that prayer, and he's still answering that prayer. God, give me a new heart. I love this about the disciples because although they didn't have a heart for the other side of the lake, they had a heart for their Savior, and they took their Savior, Jesus, with them. They took Jesus with them in the boat. And here's what I believe this shows us, that, that maybe here today we don't have a heart for that distant place or this type of people or this group and this place or maybe somebody even close to you, we struggle with having a heart for them. But here's what I know, if Jesus is in us, if we're carrying him with us, he can give us a love for a people that we struggle to love. Friends, to reach distant shores, we need a new heart. In Matthew 13, 15, Jesus, he talks about how our hearts can become calloused, hard, that hurt and disappointment, even discouragement or grief or uh, you name it, a multitude of things can cause our hearts to become hard. But here's what I know, that when we get into the presence of Jesus, like we've been doing today, that he melts that iciness, that he he heals that hardness and he brings a new softness into our hearts towards the lost that are around us. You see, to reach distant shores, we need new hearts. And here's what, I come, what, what I've come to find, and I bet you you can echo, echo this too, is that the more I love Jesus, the more I love others. And the more I love others, the more missional I am towards them. You see, to reach distant shores, we need new eyes. And we need a new heart. Finally, thirdly is this. To reach distant shores, I believe we need new faith. A faith to believe that what we might think is impossible is absolutely possible with God. I love how in our story, there was a storm that arose in their going. Isn't that the way it works, right? Like you step out in, into maybe something you feel like God is calling you towards. Maybe it's giving to kingdom builders and, and, and you're like, hey, I'm just going to do something I've never done before. Let's step out. And a storm pops up and you're like, Jesus, I'm following you. How, how is it that I'm doing your will and things oppose me? It shouldn't work that way, but it almost always does. And here and they're going to the other side of the lake, trusting Jesus, a storm rises up. And they call upon their Savior to do something about it. They didn't give up. They didn't go back. They didn't say that's enough. No, they called on Jesus. They called on Jesus. And Christ asked them a question, have you no faith? But I think their faith was little. Maybe just a mustard seed. But can I tell you that's enough? That's a place to start. And they reach out and they call out to Christ in faith. And he does the unimaginable in that moment. He shows up and he once again proves that he is God. And what happens? Now they have a story. They've got a story to tell on the other side of the lake. We need new faith to reach distant shores. 
You can stop the slides here and, and, and not use anymore. I'm going to wrap this up in just a moment. Um, when we went to Spain, uh, we, we were, you know, doing everything that missionaries do. We were reading materials. We were reading books. We were talking to people. And kind of everywhere we looked and almost everyone we talked to said, you know what, Spaniards don't really respond to the gospel. So as a missionary, this is kind of one of those difficult fields that you come to and you just need to do your best. And I, I, you know, and just stay faithful and hunker down and just make it, just make it to the end. Just keep going. Don't give up. And that's a win. And you know what, that, that is a win. That, that really is a win to not give up and to keep going. But we kind of had this, 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 this heart that was shared with us by others. And we said, that's it. That's what we're going to believe. Or we said, you know what, even in impossible places, God can do the possible. We're going to choose to approach this work with faith and believe that God brings life to the deserts, that he resurrects dead bones, that to those who are hopeless, he brings hope and the broken healing. We're going to believe that. And can I tell you, we saw it with our own eyes that a place that, that, that many missionaries say it's impossible to see God work here. We saw God do the impossible. When I think of that, I think of my friend Ernesto who gave his life to Jesus, a Spaniard, 35 years old, super successful. So, so very powerful to watch his transformation. Even when we, 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 we had COVID come upon us, you know, like you did here, and everything shut down, and we thought, what are we going to do? We're not online. We, we don't know how to do that. But we figured it out pretty quick. And two days after the pandemic hit and the quarantine shut down all of Barcelona, we had our service online that Sunday two days later. And can I tell you, it, it was hard work. It was sleepless nights for many of our team members. But God worked because we chose to take a faith stance and believe that, you know what, God wants to work in this situation. People are hopeless and broken. In Barcelona, that meant things like families moving in together and 14, 15, 16 people living in a one-bedroom apartment just to make it because of the economic crisis they were in as the result of this thing. And we said people need hope and we can share hope this way online through these messages. And can I tell you, between the beginning of May and the beginning of August, in our online services there at the church, we had 300, you're not going to believe, 355 people message us during our online services on our Sunday that we would show them. And they said to us, hey, ICB, I just gave my life to Jesus. Or hey, ICB, I just recommitted my life to Jesus. Can you help me grow in my faith? 355 people. Who but God can do that? Come on, who but God can do that? New faith, new faith. Friends, to reach distant shores, we need new eyes. We need new hearts. We need new faith. God wants to do something new in us so that he might do something new through us. Would you bow your heads and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is powerful and effective. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that, that your gospel came to us, that it got a hold of our lives, that you sent somebody and somebody said, yes, I'll go and I'll share and I'll be a light and I'll roast to help my Savior. And they did it so wonderfully. And you used that testimony, you used that person to help connect the dots in our own lives. God, we say thank you for sending somebody to us. And Lord, it's, it's our heart. Lord God, not to let that stop with us, but we want to see it passed on and replicated in our family.
in our neighborhoods, in our cities. Lord, we want to see it replicated in Malaga, Spain, the city that we're going to and planting a brand new church. God, we're believing that you're going to do something great in that city. But Lord, we realize that if you're going to do that, you have to do something new in us. If we're going to go where we've never gone before, God, you've got to do in us what you've never done. So Lord, I pray in this place, in this room, I believe is. Your word has gone forth today. You've been speaking to hearts. If you're here today and you'd say, you know what, Mark, that's me. I need that. I need new eyes. Or I need a new heart. Or I need new faith, faith to believe. If that's you today, I just want to ask you to respond in in one of three ways. Whichever one resonates with you most. If it's new eyes, can you just put your hands on your eyes for a moment with your heads bowed, eyes closed, or if you're watching online, just do that. Put your hands on your eyes if if, if that's what you want, new eyes, to see in new ways. Maybe you're here and you say, Mark, I need a new heart. I I, want a fresh passion for this work. I need a new love. If that's you, put your hands on your heart. Can you do that if that's you? And maybe you're here today and you say, I just want new faith. I don't want to be somebody driven by doubt. I want new faith, faith to believe for the impossible. Faith maybe to to pick up and believe for something that you let go of, but it's time to believe again. If that's you, put your hands on your head, on the side of your heads. And I just want to pray, Lord, you see these hands, you know what they're touching, and you know what's needed. Lord, I believe that you're speaking, and I pray today that for us, for each of us, that you would do that new thing in us. I believe that your word has gone forth. I believe it is going deep into our souls. And Lord, I pray that it would produce fruit in our lives that would propel us forward into the mission that you've called us to. Jesus, have your way in these friends. You know the challenges that they're facing, some very challenging storms. But God, I pray that you would show up in those moments, that you would speak peace be still, and that God, you would continue to push us forward in the mission that you've called us to, that we would never give up. God, give us new eyes. Give us new hearts. Give us a new faith. Maybe you're here today and you would say, Mark, I've never given my life to Christ. Or maybe you're watching online and that's you. You've never committed your life to Jesus. Can can I tell you, you can do that right now. You can commit your life to him right now. And it simply is doing this. It simply is just saying, and you just take these words and make make them your own. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. You just tell him that that's you. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my past. I believe you're the son of God. I need you. I commit my life to you, Jesus. I'm going to follow you. Thank you for life. Thank you for hope. Thank you for purpose. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.